Man, I had a show with another special edition. You know, I'm on this expedition of unique, extraordinary individuals. And this brother right here is another extraordinary individual that I've come to admire. I've always admired him actually a lot. I, I believe any man that's doing it his way without question should always, that man or woman should be admired. So saying all that, Dan McKinney, CEO or president, I don't know which one CEO. you prefer. Okay, CEO, CEO janitor, bus driver, <laughs> whatever it takes. Now, before I get into all the deep stuff, so you're not only a record company, you're a management company. Yes. Uh, name your artist on the management side and then give me the artist on the music side. So on the management side, we have Zero, uh, nice. Mo City Dawn, King of the Ghetto. We have Lil Flip, and we also have the Dallas artist Fat Pimp on the management side. Okay. On the label side of things, we have Tim Ned, uh, producer, artist, singer, songwriter. We have Cody Blake, triple threat, phenomenal artist. We have the young lady Skyra Bliss. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a out there. Group. She's out there working hard. Yes. I, nobody outworks Skyra She's on the planet. Um, we also have a group called The Art of Ratchet, where we took Tim Ned and Fat Pimp and put them in the group together. Okay. And that's been an amazing ride so far. We're just getting started. Um, and then we have some other artists in the development. We just launched our R&B and Soul division mm -hmm. of the label called Division Music. And we have a, a, a young lady named Asia. She's going to be phenomenal for us. And we've brought on board the um, Houston singer Great House. You know, he does all the Motown reviews, your Sam Cooks, your, 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 uh, your Luther Vandross. So we're building um, a true R&B and Soul division. Like, okay. love music. We're going to go through the relationships, the heartache, the pain. Um, that's my favorite genre of music anyway. So we're going to have fun with that. So that's our whole team as of now. But we have some other artists in the wings that are in the development process that we're growing and getting them right before we move them over. Okay. Not only do you do that, he also throws, creates, I like that word better, events, yeah. uh, music festival, uh, if you will, uh, events. And so we'll get into that too, because I know you have one coming up here. So we'll talk about that too. But I want to go back to the beginning of Derek McKinney. Yeah. I understand from San Antonio, but raised and, and, and given some of that good stuff from H-Town, yeah, Houston, yeah. Texas. Uh, what's that ride? What was that ride like from San Antonio? And can you see the obvious, I'm saying it already, differences in the two places? Oh, 100%. I, I never wanted to move to Houston because... 10 years old, 11 years old, your parents divorcing and you're like, man, I don't want to leave my family, all my friends. That's all I knew. Right. But my mom, being a mother that she is, um, saw it like, no, let's go here. Create more opportunities. Um, she worked her butt off. We moved here. And it wasn't, I wouldn't say a week after moving, I knew, okay, now I feel at home. Really? I, I felt like Houston uh fit my personality very early because as a kid i was literally the kid that was winning every contest at school who sells the most candy the bike rodeo with the most <laughs> raffle tickets i was always i would get my Hustler halloween from the candy beginning. yeah i was selling my halloween candy the next day at school really like that was literally <laughs> things that i was who put doing. that in you do you know it just came naturally I, i've always wanted to own something did, was it about the money? Like, what makes the kid wake up in the morning? You know, basically, your baby so wake up a, in the morning. I've been a shoe fanatic from day one. Okay. I've been a Nike fanatic. Um, I've always loved buying clothes and shopping and hanging out. Like I said, I knew it took money to do it, 
but I didn't necessarily do it for the money. I've always wanted the success of what it can do, of what I could do. So I used to get the um with the write on magazine. They used to have the DJ equipment in the background in the in the back pages. Eleven hundred dollars, two Technique twelve hundreds, this new Mark mixer, a microphone, and this <laughs> monitor. And so I wrote out a plan in my school supplies, gave it to all my aunts and uncles. So if everybody give me a hundred dollars, this is what I can do. They didn't take me serious. Nobody gave wow. it to me. But that's I knew I wanted to own and do something at a very, very early age. How was school for you in Houston? School in Houston, it was school was always easy for me. I was un- unfortunately I was the class clown. <laughs> but I can't imagine that. Yeah, I was the class I clown. I don't see you trying to make people laugh and I being would, that guy. I always make the teachers laugh. Okay. The teachers all in there, yeah, you're funny. Ha <laughs> ha, yes, you did. So I wouldn't get in trouble until I had my English teacher my sophomore year, Miss Lowey. I love this lady to this day. She said, Mr. McKinney, don't ever darken my doorstep again. I was like, what happened? She said, you finished your work, but I was too much of a distraction to everybody else. Mm. So because I finished mine and I got good grades, I didn't realize that I'm slowing up my partners. I'm slowing up my homegirls because, hey, I got I got mine done. It's on y'all now. <laughs> so that next year, first day of school, I didn't have on my schedule. I went and begged, please let me back in your class. Please. I got to have you. I got to. She, she said, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I begged every day for like a week. Then she finally got my counselor and they changed my schedule. And that teacher helped me understand that, okay, Derek, you have influence over people. If you do things a certain way, this is how you influence the rest of the class. Wow. And that's, that's when I knew that I had some level of influence and I could use it in a good way. Were you interested in music at that time or is this something that came later on? So it, I've, I've been a music lover. My, my parents were the parents that would have house parties and all my family would go get together. And we'd have CDs for days. So I was always listening to Hall and Oates, Phil Collins, Midnight Star, Atlantic Star, um, Kashif, Alexander O'Neill. You sound like good parents. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> so I was jamming yeah, yeah, yeah. at an early age and I just always had a love for it. Um, I didn't think I would be getting into the music business because I hit that phase where, okay, I'm a sports guy. Right. I love sports, football, football, football. But then I knew like, man, I don't want to go to college for football. I don't what happened? Did something happen? I didn't want to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did, I did not want to go to college. Was there any particular reason why you just thought, I'm just not a fan. I don't want to do any more school. I, I'm done I with told this my or... dad, why am I going to pay them forty, fifty $50,000 to make a job to make $30,000, $40,000? And he's like, do you have a plan? I said, yeah, I think I'm going to work. And I want to, I want to own my own business. And me and my, uh, my, my five homeboys, and they still my, my brothers to this day, we used to go out to clubs seven days a week. We would leave Oasis on a Sunday night and go to the school parking lot and sleep in the parking lot and take a shower in the locker room and go to class. We was at Jamaica, Jamaica on Tuesdays. Wow. We was at Roxy on Wednesdays, Metropolis on Thursdays. Damn, that's all the spots. Yeah, we was Coco Loco on Friday, <laughs> Oasis Saturday, and Sunday. You naming all of them. That's all the spots. And that's and that was the spot. And it got to the point to where I was able to meet the club owners. And one day I went out to my car, and it was like eight flyers on the window. And I was asking, bro, why are you putting all these flyers on my window? Man, I get five hundred dollars a week from every flyer. I did the math. I went home and called every flyer. I could do this for $300 a week. 
<laughs> I had four of them give me a shot. So really? me and my homeboys was going out every night, passing out flyers, but that we got in the club free. I would tell um, the owner of Jamaica, Jamaica, what was his name? Paul? Or oh. Paul, yeah. Paul. But I think the, the other cat worked there too, though, but Paul. Yeah. So I was like, man, listen, I'm 17. These are my boys who are passing out flyers. I promise we will not drink. We will not have no fights. We just want to dance. I like the DJ and meet girls. He said, you ain't going to start nothing? I said, I promise. So let me in. And, and, and so people would be like, Jamaicans make have a long line. And we walk right up to the front. And people like, so it felt great. And it just came so natural. Then same thing at Maxi, same thing. And I was, I was always a natural people person. I said, hey, man, listen, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. My two homeboys like, yeah, man, this is a rap group from Atlanta. They in town this weekend. I'm bringing them to meet the DJ. Nah, this is just my same boys. I went every week and week <laughs> to the club. And it just came so natural. And then people were like, hey, man, can you get the DJ to play my record? Okay, cool. I used to help GT unload his Suburban and carry crates of records into the club. Mm. 8, 30, 9 o'clock. I remember uh, um, getting to the venues and learning. Okay. GT is going to drink Red Stripe. I see drinks of French Connection or Miller Lite. Um, Walter D don't really like to be bothered when he's DJing, so send him a bottle of water. Leave him alone. Um, <laughs> Goldfinger over at Jamaica, Jamaica. Send him whatever. He's taking shots. And that's, it just all came so natural. Why were you learning this? Do you know why? You, or that's just... And you know what? I, I have no clue, but I can't say I woke up one day and like, yes, I want to be in the music business. We were hanging out. I was getting paid to go to concerts. I was getting paid to get T-shirts and CDs and posters. I was getting paid to go to all my favorite clubs and get in free. Like, how could we not? Like, man, I had ended up uh, getting the account to do the marketing for the Kappa Beach Party. Okay, that's big. Yeah, so it was crazy. I met one of the owners. We was in scores. If you know about scores, you know about scores. Yes. And we were talking. I was telling them about what I could do. I said, yeah, man. They got this thing in New Orleans coming up called the Easter Jam. Me and my homeboys, we can go down there, pass off flyers, get with the radio station, do some ticket giveaways. We can get a bunch of people from Louisiana to come. It was like, well, how much it costs? It costs $1,500 to rent a car, and I need to get two hotel rooms. Two days later, they called me, gave me an envelope of cash, gave me the keys to rent a car, had 10,000 flyers in the back. Mind you, me and my homeboy, my best friend, my brother, Ezon, we had never left Texas. <laughs> we had no clue. I didn't know anybody in New Orleans. We didn't know anything. Wow. We drove. We got to Lake Charles in two hours. We was, oh, we here. <laughs> we didn't know them other four hours coming. Yes, sir. And we was like, it was brutal. But we got there, man, and we hit the streets. Somehow, uh, Q93, uh, L Boogie, LaMonda Williams was the PD at the time. No, I'm sorry. She was over at the other station. Uptown Angela was at Q93. Uptown um, we got to the, to the New Orleans Superdome at the time. Gave the radio DJs like, hey, we're from Texas with the Cap Beach Party. We're here to give out some tickets to get the people from Louisiana to come. So they got on the radio. We got free tickets to anybody who want to go to the... Uh, uh, Capital Beach Party in Galveston, Texas. If you got your tickets for the, for the Easter Jam, here you go. The Easter Jam was 
Cash Money, No Limit, Murder Inc., A Ball and MJG, mm-hmm. DMX and the Rough Riders, Rock, uh, Rockefeller Records with Jay Z. Like, this was a concert. That concert tour came through here, too. Oh, man, it was an amazing. We had front row tickets with the radio station. We wow. sitting there kicking it. And literally, I did not know a soul prior to getting to the city. They said the, um, the hotel rooms and they got their report from the Catholic Beach party. They said it saw a, an increase of close to 120,000 people come to Galveston from Louisiana. They gave me the credit for doing it. So guess what the next year they did? Here's a bigger check. Mm. I got the Rough Riders to come. I had the owners of FUBU come. Remember we went to the dinner that time? I don't remember this. In Galveston, we went to a restaurant called No, Gatos. that's a lie. I do remember that. With the owners of FUBU. I, d- I do remember that. we all went to dinner. At that one little food place. Uh-huh. I restaurant was closed that. down. They opened it up for us. I do remember yeah. that. I didn't even realize that I'd known you that long, Derek. I was the person that got wow. food to come to the Capital Beach party. I did not know that. And you was like, no, I'm paying for my own food. I don't want nobody to yeah, think yeah, I owe yeah, them yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> See, I told y'all, that's me, man. <laughs> hey, so, that's what I'm I'm always solo. Like, I don't trust nobody. I don't want nobody to think that, you know, I just took something from you, so now I owe you yeah, something. Yeah, no, nah, definitely, man. The downfall of Mad Hatter. No, nah, I wouldn't say that, man. I said the integrity of Mad Hatter. Yeah. <laughs> but we just... Damn, Derek, you know what? First, let me apologize. I didn't realize that I'd known you that long, and that's exactly why I do this. It's, it's very selfish, because you hear these stories, and then you... It's all these different pieces and parts of people that you don't even know that were you broke bread with and you didn't know that you was even literally breaking bread with. So do you remember the first uh, or the first Super Bowl that was here and they had that car, that old car dealership across from Sharpstown Mall as one of the venues and one of the event spaces? With Dame? No, that's not Dame Dash. Yeah, Dame Rockefeller. They, they, they all came down. Was that, was that during that football time? I uh-huh. do remember that. Yeah, it was a, was a, yeah, it was a car place. Yeah, Sharpstown Mall. Yeah. I'm thinking the other side of the street. But this was directly across yeah. the street. I do remember that. So do you remember getting the Negro League jersey with the patches on the sleeve? I still have that. The I was brown per- one? I was the marketer. Right? That was the person that gave it to you. Wow. I was the one that gave it. I gave Slim his throwback jersey. I, was I ESG, still everybody. have that. Yeah, we took, and I got the had to go with it. We took that company from eight million a year to twenty two million in three years. Wow! And that's why I quit because my check didn't increase. <laughs> I would it wasn't commissioned <laughs> for the obvious reason. I had to listen to. Yeah, I quit. I quit. I, I um I. It's amazing to know that you know these people, but you don't remember their roles in some of the things that you were a part of. Mm-hmm. And, and again, let me apologize. I do this a lot these days because I was so super focused on the prize, which was cash, that I missed so much out here. So that's why I said that you can say, hey, remember when we did this? And I'm like, no. Nah. But yeah, you, you're telling me the story. Yeah. So I know this is not, this is all 100,000% <laughs> true. But I was so focused, man. I didn't see a lot and I missed a lot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But this but is I, I think it's one of the things where I, w- I would go as far as to say is you probably missed a lot of bullshit, too. So, you know, well, it's, I, that's thank you. That's yeah, fair you to know, say. So but you do, you do miss a lot of people. I missed a lot of people. And, you know, people that say things to me now, I'm, I feel like I have to apologize for being super focused and not realizing that other people misunderstood your your being focused. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I say this, I, I'm not one of the people that misunderstood because I'm that way. 
<laughs> like, you know, I'm obviously my blinders are on to get Dame Dash where he was. And I don't even remember what the, they tore down that place. The only time I was there. So I don't know what happened to that place. But that was it was very unique in what we did. Dame Dash is very interesting. Yeah. As well. Obviously, you know that already there. What a history. So, again, that's why I do this, man. This very obvious history of me knowing you. But you've branded loud so well in my brain. I don't remember anything pre-loud music. And that that's intentional, boss. That's intentional. It's sad, too, because I don't... The things you're telling me, I do remember, but well, I don't remember... Well, I'm saying it's intentional from the aspect of this is... I own and created this. Absolutely. So a lot of... The one of the things that I've never liked in the entertainment industry were the guys who, who have their Al Bundy stories their success is those four high school touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I, like, nah, I want to be known for what I've built and what I've created. But you've been building and creating the whole time. I mean, you're telling me of how you started, where you started, and how yeah. you've continued to build. So the pre-loud music and the events that you do are just as important, are probably more important. You, you think that this part of the story is the most important. You know, without that part of the story, they this story can't even be told. I dig it. I dig it. You know what I'm saying? It. So I'm just saying foul on me because I missed a lot of people who did a lot of important things because of my super hyper focus. focus and I remember them for who they are now. I don't remember all the things they did then. And I like to. So that's what this is all I mean, about. But some cool stuff, man. I brought the Chopper Style record to Texas. Don't remember that. Yeah. Mr. Magic, I Smoke, I Drank. GT was a first. That GT record, was the first uh, person to break that record. I believe it. GT was the first. GT broke my record down south first. A lot of people don't know wow. that. He was the first person to play that record. I know the club. It was the club out there in um, Nassau, Ro Nassau Road 1. Connections. 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 Yeah, yeah. He was the first person to play it. I saw the reaction the very first time he played it, which was, I knew it was a hit that first night. We were in Austin for the Texas Relays. Mm-hmm. And Roy Jones Jr. had came down on his private plane. He had just signed Chopper. He had Magic and everybody. And Magic had just finished the song. The Young Bloods wasn't even on it yet. And I was like, just teach him the hook. Just go teach him the hook. And he got on the stage and said, everybody just repeat the hook. I smoke. I drink. And they just, and GT was the first DJ on the planet to have that record. Really? And they dropped it. And from that, from the Texas Relays on, that record was a complete no-brainer. See, that was a special time when you go to the club and for the first time you hear a record and that feeling you get when you just think you heard probably the dopest thing that you're ever going to hear in life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we don't have those moments no more because you, now you get it on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, no, you're not. It's, it's three million plays on TikTok. So you playing for the first time, you're the three million one yeah like it's, it's not yeah, it's and that's, not the same but but I, i'm not dissing it though don't get me wrong you know things change yeah, and I you am. gotta you gotta go with those changes you know you're a part of that yeah. system so you know things do change uh mr d amazing story so i'm hearing that it sounds like your whole your whole career is accidental <laughs> not on purpose but with purpose uh, yeah understand i i've um Man, I talked myself into the situation because I felt like I didn't have any place to go here to get what I wanted. Mm. 
Like I, I wanted to be the next Barry Gordy, the next Clive Daniels. Like, why don't we have an Interscope Records in Houston? Why don't we have those? And I've always like, how are we the most diverse city in the country? But our music industry is so segregated. Mm. Only thing that brings Houston together are three things: food, sports, sports, <laughs> and screw. <laughs> like those are the three things that that you can that can cross all boundaries in Houston. And I, and I just feel like we've missed so many opportunities. Well, I think you know, on, from the musical standpoint, I think that we had a foothold in the music game and something in the early 2000s around 2002 3 4 mm-hmm. something happened there was a there was a the music looked like the music bed went to ATL and it never left you know what i think and i could be completely wrong sure what song one of the things that that Houston did not have most of our artists that blew up were their CEOs hmm and who did they pull in behind them? Because you're saying it was just them. So their most important artist with it was themselves. So there was no legacy. There was no tree. There was no, you, you can start with a LeJohn tree. And you can give it, you can get LeJohn the Eastside Boys. You get, oh, they sprinkled the Yin Yang Twins. You know, he did the Usher Yeah record. Then you got Young Bloods who he did the damn record. And then you got, you can take, different parts of Atlanta and there was always six, seven, eight different people operating at the same time. And then they would collaborate. Then they would hit the road together. I think there was there there was no executive decision in Houston being made to say, hey guys, y'all do this collaboration and then we're gonna do hit the road together. And then you make sure you sign this person, you be on their single and let's push that one just like while we're pushing this one. There, I don't think there was enough strategy I think there was a lot of things. I think also uh, even radio stations played a part. And I can say that because obviously I was at a radio station. I think the part they play is radio stations have always been not a place of locality. And what started to happen in the late 90s, early 2000s, radio stations started to super serve home. You know, New York always did it. And then whatever they did, the rest of the country did. Right. And then late 90s, like I said before, we started to have, you know, in the 90s, we started to have true breakout of a lot of different artists from different places. And radio stations were late to like, oh, let's embrace. Not, And I think in Houston, we were heavily rap. The city was, the rappers were embraced. I think we missed out, in my opinion, on the R&B. We, we definitely did because... That's when, just my opinion, though. And I worked I, in the no. system, so when, when and I'm you not look trying at to step on every major R&B artist that's touring. Their background singers and their musicians are all people from Houston. Yeah, this is true. This is facts. And it's been that way for years. So it's, it's like, so why can't even on the gospel side when they speak of the best singers in Houston right now? You're going to get Cardi. You'll get Brian. Uh, who else am I? Well, let me stop because everybody be like, you missed that person. But there's so many of them. So why what, why hasn't there been a hub for these people say you don't have to outsource and go do background vocals you can actually let's let's create your own record let's create your own your own system let's build your own community let's get your own followers and fans and release your music that's one hundred percent what loud music is trying to do 
I don't know why that industry didn't get created. I don't know if LaFace Records being in ATL changed the scope of that city because I think they didn't think, first of all, Babyface wasn't thinking about putting out Rap. rappers from ATL. He was thinking about making R&B records for the world. So I think that partially could have been what it was. I don't think, I think a lot of the R&B artists, in my opinion here, was slept on because, you know, they just were, they wouldn't given opportunities like the rappers were. So, and the rappers who were the CEOs weren't signing come to a hook. <sighs> yeah, perhaps, perhaps, you know, everybody can take a little fault in the right. pride, but ultimately, yeah, but ultimately I think, you know, it's, it's still up to the individuals so to make things happen. One of the challenges that I know I faced personally is that, and it goes back to what you just said. I don't ever say, let's make this record for Houston. No doubt. And, and in doing something with uh, like Cody Blake, there's not a record he can make that would be believable that this is for Houston. Cody is too big of a, of a star. But I think that's the new generation too, man. I think there was a, there was a source, there was a sense of pride with the sound of the city back in the 90s, early 2000s. I think this generation of kids, like you got Tisa, you got... Even if you name the rappers in the city, so, the sound is so diverse now. We, we have a record called Texas. It's the Art of Ratchet featuring Zero. Right. I've had Houston DJs tell me this record sounds too local. Yes. Would they ever tell 2 Chainz this record sounds too Atlanta? <laughs> Are they telling YG, this record sounds too LA? I've had Houston DJs tell me, this record sounds too local, man. It sounds too local. I was like, Oh, because it's, it's our culture. It's our identity. This song is about Texas. It's about mm. Houston. The video, everything about it. We're at the Toyota Center. We bought a mural wall. Like, we're showing you the city. Now, Sirius XM thought it was great. And they played it. BET, MTV Revolt thought it was great. They played it. <laughs> but you'll have somebody from that city will tell you this sounds too local. I think you got to fight those things. I think a lot of times everybody like to say, oh, we get hate from the city. And so I, I never try to get into that um, because if you go to ATL, there will still be people there in ATL that will say the same thing about their city. It's every but city. as you sit out here from the outside, you're like, yeah, y'all have like a hundred superstars in your city. Though. I don't know how you're saying that, but you know, there's, you know, uh, little Bucky who ain't getting his shot. So he feels like he's being slight. Yeah. So I think you can always get that. That's unfortunate. I think it was a great record. I think, especially today, records that take pride in their city, I think you, you kind of embrace it. It's just a win. Because, yeah, I think it's, you kind of embrace it. It's a win. In, in a, and that record didn't sound like a real Texas record to me, too. I think they said the word. Texas. Yeah, and that's, that's why I was but like, I think man, Mr. the production Tim, sounds. Yeah, yeah, the production could have been... ATL. It could be anywhere. Yeah, it could, yeah no but, doubt. But no I, doubt. I know, um, I, I know that we we reach we we hit a lot of obstacles and hurdles just for the simple but fact. But you didn't let that stop you. Oh hell no, hell no. It's because we don't we don't play by, I'll say these rules. Mm -hmm. And it's like um, when we went to the Grammy Awards last year, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm texting my team the whole time. We got to change this. We got to do this better because I'm not going to play by the rules here when the rest of the world is playing by these rules. Mm. So there's no way 
I can compete here if this is my bar. So we can pat ourselves on the back and celebrate. We did something really great here at home. And that's beautiful because you live here. You want to do that. But in the grand scheme of things like, oh, we're not scratching the surface. We got to do so much more at a higher level, much more efficient, much more consistent to be able to sit in the Grammy Awards and realize that's why these people got nominated. Let's go back uh, before loud music. What was the what transpired to get you here? What happened first, I guess, is my real question. Was it label or management? Label. Label. I, I was in um, Willie D's old studio and I was in there every day and my boy MC Ticket that said, hey, man, my producer, he don't have no studio. He needs somewhere that he can come work at. So I um, say, cool, he can come. I'm in here by myself. Studio's right there. Dope. And then also I was seeing this guy named Tim Ned. I would see him every day when I was picking up my, my daughter and my son from elementary school. He was the uh, bus driver to one of the daycares. <laughs> so we see each other in past and say, what's up? Yada, yada, yada. Well, the producer that needed a studio was Tim Ned. So he walk in. I'm like, dude, I see you every day. So he started coming to the studio and it got to the point to where it was like, man, all right, let's have a hit by noon. Literally, he would drop the kids off at daycare. I was dropping my kids off at school and we were meeting at the studio. I go in the office and start doing my marketing for whatever client I was working for. He'd be in the studio just making records. And I'm hearing this guy make the beat, write the song, press the button, go in the booth and record, come back out, put it together. And I'm like, it sounds like it's seven people in there and it's just one person. Mm -hmm. And I was working on a marketing deal for a client for like 40 grand. A guy told the client, nah, Derek really ain't the guy that can do that, man. You probably need to, I can do this for you for about eight or 9,000. So the guy was like, hey man, I say, cool, you got it. Dude got robbed for his $9,000. And he called me back and I was like, nah, man, I'm good. And I told Tim, I think I had like two bucks in my pocket. I'm like, bro, here, here's a dollar. I got a dollar. Let's start a label. I'll be the CEO. You be the artist. You make the music. I handle the business. And he was like, what are we going to call it? And, it he, and he said, man, I like the name. I always like the name Loud. Live out your dream. I said, Loud Music. But we'll spell it M-U-Z-I-K. June 6, 2012. Press play. We spent that next year and a half just building the team, developing the music, and then eventually we decided to launch it. But start that with the label. Wow. Didn't know none of this stuff. So, and I, I don't know that Tim is connected to you all this time until I don't really know this until you do the record <laughs> with Pimp, really, uh, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that he was connected to Loud. I don't know why. Don't ask me again. Maybe I was zoned out. But I've always, I've heard the name for the last few years, mm -hmm. Tim's name, especially as, obviously, he's a producer. Uh, so in my mind, he's, and, and also in my mind, he's not from here. He's from Dallas. I don't know why this is in my mind. So he was born in Fort Worth, and then he moved to Greece. He's a military kid. Okay. He lived in Greece. Then they left Greece and went to Sacramento. So he was in, in California for a while. Then he moved to Houston when he was, like, in middle school. Okay. I wonder if he claims Sacktown, do he claim? He claims Houston. <laughs> he claims Houston. <laughs> he, he, he tell you just that, thought yeah. I was. Just thought I was. He, he's mostly, he say he made Mo City, Texas. I got you. I got By you. way Mo of City. Fort Worth, Greece, Sacramento. Got you. Got you. <laughs> Sack get a little, little, yeah. little love in there, though. Okay. So 
also, when I really get to know you, and I, I don't know that Loud is officially a record company. I, I'm thinking that it's the name of your management company because the next time to me that you appear, you make an appearance, is I see you at Zero. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's a lot of people who try to manage Zero and had obstacles. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wherever did you hear this from? <laughs> so you got, I'm like, you've been the longest person that's been able to, um, what's, what's a kind word? Go through the up and downs of uh, an artist like Zero, man. Uh, so I, I, I associated with, with you and, and always can secretly, quietly in my head congratulated you that you've been able to maintain uh, uh, somebody like Zero, which you, obviously people know that I, I just got a huge liking and love for Zero. But uh, that's when you really came into focus, like, okay, this is the guy that's handling Zero. And I got to the point where, you know, you can call people. Yeah. I kind of think it's disrespectful if you have a manager that I don't call your manager. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? So I started reaching out to you if I ever needed something from zero, unless I was just calling him as, hey, are you all right, friend? Yeah. But if I ain't doing that and it's business, I just think it should be done. You know me. I'm just, I'm just, nah, I, I'm, I'm, with you. I'm, I'm yeah. just different like that. I just think it's disrespectful. Yo, zero, man, can you do me this? Nah, and I call you, you be honest. Nah, how did, he's not here that week. Now, if you ask Zero, I'll work it out. No, no, no. Derek said that. You that <laughs> yeah. yeah, but nah, nah, nah. The manager already says, we good? I said, no, I, nobody's hated here. This is yeah. business. Yeah, yeah. So I, I respect salute to that, but I respect it. How was it? How were you able <laughs> to convince a special artist like a Zero, who in his mind is, he's, he's a singular character uh-huh. in his business, in his life, is him against the world. How how were you able to uh, have this conversation with such a Houston icon to say, you know what, Derek, you're the man for me? So three people brought me and Zero together at different times. Uh, the first was my guy, June Manning. He used to manage Amy Miller and Kay Ruger and a few other people. Um, he was working with Roe. He brought me to the table to set up some digital marketing and some things like that. Then D-Rec was working with Ro. They was doing the Melting the Crown album. I put together the marketing strategy and the plan for that. Then uh, I met uh, a Heavy at a Fresh Empire event. And he had Ro and Slim now. He was like, hey, man, I think we should look at doing this, yada, yada, yada. Then one day, Ro sent me a DM. They called me. I was like, I don't have your number. <laughs> <laughs> so he sent me his number. Uh, I called him. We went to lunch at the Palms, chopped it up. Oh, yeah. Like that. Yeah. I had dinner, had a couple of drinks, shook hands. And that was it. Walked out. I think I'm his manager. Yeah, that, that was pretty much it. But I think the, um, the, the misconception of it all to me, that a lot of people assume is that it's not a lot of tug of war with mm. if you know what you're doing. I think that's people's perception that it is that he will be a hard. He would be hard to have a manager with. He he is one of the most intelligent people. Oh yeah, that I've hung out with. Him yeah, several. So that, you know, I know. that you know, it is just that, and I tell him all the time, even in arguments. I'm like, yo, I don't give a damn. It's not my job to cater to zero. 
My job is to make sure Joseph McVeigh is straight. Mm. If I focus on Joseph McVeigh, zero is easy. You can't, you can't <laughs> like be that. zero if Joseph McVeigh is not in a good space. Mm. Let me make sure Joseph McVeigh is in a good space. And it's easy for him to go be zero. Mm. I think too many people, and I know Heavy is still, we t- I talk to Heavy almost every other day, um, and he still does a lot of work with Roe, so it's never no bad blood or anything like that. Right. But it's one of the things where it's... I'm a Heavy fan, too. I like Heavy. Heavy's a very, he's a very interesting yeah. manager as well. Yeah, resume is through the roof. Yeah. And I, 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 my focus is, let me make, I make my decisions on what's going to work for Joseph. Absolutely. And in doing that, it makes it so easy for zero to go be zero. Was that the same for Little Flip? Yeah. Because I would have never even seen Little Flip. I don't even see him with, I see Flip as the kind of guy that you might call him just to do your, your business. I know it shouldn't be that way, but I just see that, but I know that's not the case. So I worked on Flip's I Can Do That single. Really? You go back that far? Really? Yeah. Wow. My guys, X and Judy Jones and Lil D, they were heavy in the Midwest, and they, and they actually get all the credit in the world for breaking the record. Mm. They, they made it hot. I, I think remember the, that name, Judy Jones. Judy Jones, she's like the godmother of the Midwest when it comes to music. I Everything, rap name. a lot, no limit, cash money that she went through the Midwest, her hands was on it. My guy, Lil D, Dorian Washington, he's one of the biggest record executives and radio executives in the country right now. But he's always been that guy. Um, my guy, Lucky in Indianapolis, he broke Indianapolis. Um, X in Cleveland, Ohio. Like, I was in Houston. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I think the record is probably at like 7,000 units. I, I, I don't, they was like, nah, just watch. Just, just watch what we finna do. And they took it and shoo, took it to the whole. I remember the name. I don't remember some of those other people you just named. Slightly some of them, but Judy definitely. I remember that yeah. name back in the gap that she was very instrumental in a lot of independent oh. releases doing tremendously. Yes. I don't know if she's still in the game or no, not. No, no, she's retired. I think she, she's into manufacturing. CDs and merchandise and stuff okay, like that. Cool. But when it came to records in the Midwest, if it didn't go through, and, and, and it's, it's like a four-headed monster that was there. It was Judy Jones, Dorian Ladee Washington, mm-hmm. um, Lucky in Indianapolis, and yeah, X in Cleveland. Yeah. Like between those four, if they wasn't on the record, the Midwest wouldn't happen. It. <laughs> it wouldn't happen. It was not happening. Um, even still today, a lot of the records you hear on radio, mm-hmm. whether it's Future, Rihanna, Kanye, Drake, all this, Dorian is the person that's doing so yeah. much of the radio. Really? Wow. He has a room full of plaques. You know how you go to the record store and you flump, flump, go through them? That's him like with a, plaques. Really? Like, so um, I'm super proud of him. Super proud of all of them. But to create the longevity that they've created. Absolutely. And, and to not just have a, a, a glass ceiling, like, no, your career is still going up. Mm. It's scary. It's scary. Especially in these days and times where the game has shifted oh, so man. big because now it's not a vinyl game. It's a digital social game. Algorithms all the time. And, um, but yeah, so I, I was a part of the, that team that worked on Lil Flip so I can do that. And then when Flip made a change in management, he was like, well, Seeing what you're doing with Roe, I need a new manager. And I was like, bet, let's meet. And January 1st, 2021, we met, put it together, and rocked and roll. Congratulations, man. Thanks, you're, sir. You're making, Thank a, you. making a lot, a lot of moves. So you're busy being a manager. You got breakthrough uh, new artists as well. Uh, I don't know if things get 
are easier when you have established artists like a zero and flip. You know, it seems like, you know, their demand is going to be different than, you know, Mr. Cody or somebody, even with Pimp. Pimp is, for all practical yeah. purposes, he's an established artist. I think some people look at him, you know, because he'll have these huge breakout songs. It's like, oh, Fat Pimp is new. Uh, right Pimp's been putting out hits for a good little minute now. But, but His yeah. energy is like a, 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 one of these young kids. Though, I tell him he's too is, humble. Hmm. He's, he is a cool cat. He's super cool. Uh, he's just super cool, man. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. Some of these guys, they, they're so cool. And when you meet him, you're like, man, I hope that everything this person wants to achieve, they achieve. Um, that's another one. How'd you get hooked up with Pimp? Uh, I've been Let doing, me quit saying Pimp. Fat Pimp. Fat Pimp. Uh, I've been knowing him for years. He was a part of a label situation in Dallas. And they had brought me in to handle some marketing, some digital stuff. And I, and I was doing it. Um, and our relationship got tighter than uh, his, his old management, uh, CKB Entertainment. I'm really good friends with them as well. They, uh, Pimp was doing a tour. And Tim was Pimp's opening act on the tour. And so we just kind of all just built a relationship and got close. And I've always believed in Fat Pimp. Like, when I say believe them, I've believed in what I would tell them. I say, bro, I think you're making really, really low level music. Wow. Yes, it's jamming, but you're holding back. Mm. You're not, you're, if Fat Pimp has a hit record in the clubs today, people are like, oh, that's another hot, hot club record. And they're going to go on about their business. I say, <laughs> you're not doing anything to shake them up. You're not giving them a reason to come search, a reason to like, what the hell is going on? And I've always just been on his neck about just pushing yourself, bro. Be better. You're too good for this. His his writing ability. Mm-hmm. He's a phenomenal songwriter, and but he's always dumbed it down to okay. I know I can say this, 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 and this in the club. These are songs crazy. I can get the songs popping in. Get that get that club hit translation makes it to radio, go on tour, start that start that whole thing. Yeah, over and him head. working with Tim. Tim as a producer is not going to give you that basic. You talked him into that situation? Yeah. So I said, man, listen, I got an idea. I said, I want to create a group with Tim and Fat Pimp. I said, if we could put Pharrell and 2 Chains in a group together, this is it. Mm-hmm. And they was like, okay. I said, the group is going to be named The Art of Ratchet. These are the type of songs I want. And this is how we're going to put it together. Like, I put together the whole structure of it, the name, the album cover. Some advice on certain songs is different things. Went out to LA, did some records. Went out to Dallas, did some records, did some stuff here. And we put the whole project together. The project took us like three years to develop. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't no microwave. We're going to go in the studio for this weekend, two weeks. And we're going to, like, nah. from the photos to the rollout, to the branding of the name, to the artwork, to the album listening party. We did a sip and paint where everybody had to paint the album cover. Like, we put it in their <laughs> head. You know, they did a they tour with Snoop, a four city tour with Snoop, Gucci Mane, the baby, um, Ja Rule. They did Toyota Center. Mm-hmm. They have never did a club show. Art every, Ratchet. Every every show they've done has always been arenas, stadiums, theaters, actual venues. Nice. And I say it's all by design because when you go into those venues, the crowd automatically is going to be diverse. Mm-hmm. If you do a club show and you're going on at one in the morning, you know who's in the crowd. Mm. But at Toyota Center, everybody's in the crowd. So I've intentionally put them in those stages. And the, so we turn down, we pass up a lot of opportunities 
I say, nah, man, we still building. Don't, don't rush. They understand it? Oh, yeah. Because when they look at their numbers and they see the opportunities and they see the, the type of shows and interviews that they get, like, they've literally been on BET for the past two years, BET and MTV for the past two years with a different record. Constantly. Does loud music care? I know you say you sell vinyl and everything, but are, are you one of those people like, our streams got to be this or we got to be doing this on TikTok? No. You know, we need a TikTok hit that translates over into this so we can get the stream numbers up. How do you, do you worry about any of that? I mean, I, you have do, to worry. Do about I worry? Yes. Do I care? Hell no. Because my, my, my fight today is, um, and you were there when I first said it, artistry over algorithm. Algorithms are, are, you trigger the algorithms by doing certain things or saying certain things or using certain hashtags. So I looked at it from a standpoint of 13 to 24-year-old white girls are streaming 70 to 80% of all of urban music. Really? Why am I triggering algorithms to appeal to a 13-year-old white girl? What is it that we have to do as a culture to keep doing? What artist has had, what hip-hop artist has had more than one viral hit on TikTok? Yeah, it's crickets. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked people that work for TikTok that question. They couldn't answer it. Mm-hmm. Um, when Meg did the body challenge mm-hmm. and hired influencers, next thing you know, Erica had the busted challenge. Hired influencers, it knocks Meg's challenge out the way. Mm-hmm. Then they did the silhouette challenge. It knocked uh, Erica's busted challenge out the way. Mm-hmm. So I compare TikTok to American Idol. So when the artist is on American Idol, they're getting millions of views and millions of votes every time that show is on. Mm-hmm. But the minute they're no longer on that show, stops. on TikTok, you're getting all of these views and all of these things here. And then what happens to you outside of TikTok? So now everybody's like, hey, you gotta be on this playlist. And I got two million streams and you're scattered across all these playlists and there's no concentration in any one area. Then you wonder why they're never booked. Why they never, because if you got a million streams, you got a hundred over here, 10 over there, 13 over there, 15 over there, but I want 20,000 to show. What city can I go to and get that out of? Mm-hmm. And so it's not even, it's not the system I believe is not even set up for us to win in it. The system is set up and designed for the ad agencies or streaming platforms to win. Because at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's, it's set up for the streaming platforms to win. And then with all the major labels having a large stake in the streaming platforms, they're making money from that side. They're making money from the artist side. But at the end of the day, our overhead doesn't change. Same production costs, <laughs> same marketing. We right. got it to, especially if we, if we want to just talk about hip hop and R&B, black music. Before we can even get in the door to have the real meetings, you got to have this many views on TikTok. You got to have this many streams on this platform. You got to be on this blog. I got to jump through all. I got to tour. I got to be on X amount of radio stations. I got to be selling merch just to have a meeting for you to tell me how much you're not going to do for me. Mm. But if I was a rock artist who could play the guitar, whoa, that guy has potential. I think we could send him to Nashville and put him through artist development. And then we could put this kind of advance into PR. Then we can give him this kind of money to tour. Then we can give him this kind of tour support off of that potential. Fuck our potential. Not the same. 
we got to go prove it all, do all the work, do all the heavy lifting. So now you can go and put your logo on, on our back and carry, carry us the rest of the way. I think that's what, it's, that's what TikTok has done. So, so as a CEO of your company, when you're talking to your artists, you care about what for them? I, I care about their well-being. And I care, I care about the, the integrity of who they are in their music. I, to where whatever you do, just be believable. It's my job. I'm going to figure it out. Um, I saw something really, really dope that the head coach of the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, said that he's fired coaches who felt like they couldn't coach a player up, that if a player couldn't play his position the right way, he had all the, he had all the skills, the intangibles, but he wasn't doing something right. They would cut him. And he was like, no, that's why you're the coach. I feel like that's why I'm the CEO. That's why the artists artists have their managers. That's why we have other executives. So if certain things, the artists just be believable, just be who, whoever you decide you're gonna be. Skyra, if you're wearing purple and green hair and you're dressed like a tomboy with heels on, we're gonna make sense of this and give this to the world. Mm. That's our job. Mm. And we've we've noticed that our following has drastically just it's increasing. But is people are following us for actually who we are and what we do. They're not following us for a new joke or a new gimmick or a new dance. I feel that. So they're actually, I say now we're actually building a really solid foundation. What's the most difficult thing uh, for Mr. Uh, Derek as it relates to artists or having a label during this era that we're in? What's the most difficult the, and that could be anything it doesn't the, have to be about this era or TikTok or anything like that the most just... di the most difficult thing for me is my personal beliefs of putting culture over currency I think right now we are designed to self-sabotage and self-destruct mm -hmm. and we get millions of dollars I've, I was told by a radio station that man if y'all did trap music you know y'all it'd be the way y'all work if y'all was doing some trap records it'd have been on do some drills like so I have to rap about killing our people. Uh, Skyra is not fit to get on stage and twerk in the thong. She's not selling her ass on a record. She's not hold waving guns. That's not Cody. That's not Tim. That's not what we want. Mm -hmm. That's not who we are. That's not who I don't personally, I don't believe in that. But it seems like the more ignorant you are, the more you're celebrated. There's not, a, I, don't, I don't know of any that I can name off the top of my head other than my guy, Big said with the industry cosign, who actually writes for Black Enterprise as well. What Black-owned media outlet in music reports about music? All the hip-hop blogs only talk about hip-hop artists in beef, in drama, in relationships. Mm. They're not talking. They're not know who's discovering the next big thing. Who's? Why can't we find another Chris Brown? Why can we keep getting Adele records 10, 15 years later, but we can't get another Jill Scott? Mm. Why can't we get new Sam Smith and new Ed Sheeran, but we can't get a new Tank? We can't get a new Avant. We can't get a new Usher. Like, why is it that we're not allowed to be unapologetically black and proud and in love and happy? All of our... Be able to monetize it and live. Yeah. But but they, they, but we have to monetize our drama, our mm -hmm. pain, our pity, our woe with me's or our sorrows. We didn't have this or I couldn't get this. My teacher didn't like me. I had to get it out the mud. Oh, man, and keeping going back to my original point, 
This is all being triggered for 13 to 24 year old white girls. I look at it as the modern day minstrel show. We are mm. on blackface. So wow. we're, we're performing for a white audience who gets to sit back and live through our trauma mm. in their gated community. And like, yes, we're gonna keep buying tickets to the show. We're gonna keep paying for it because this is entertainment. And so the companies keep on signing it and giving you money for it to keep the minstrel if, if a if a If a label signed and put a million dollars behind um, an R, a young up and coming R&B soul singer singing about love and relationships and happiness, you know how many other artists would say, hey, Let's start doing. Let's love start doing this <laughs> because this can get us a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've, I've, I've heard Tank say that. Tank well. said it best. Yeah, Tank yeah, he said did it say best. It nice. It's not that they're, they're not the they're not scared of our strength. Uh, no, yeah. what do you say? They're more afraid of our love. love than our hate. Like if we started, if we if we gave us gave the world another record, another public enemy, the other artists were like wait a minute. We could start to think on this level and start to give that kind of music. I'm kind of surprised that they ever really allowed it to go as far as it did with Chuck D and Public Enemy, Flavor Flav and the rest. Uh, and I think because it was making money for him at the time. That, that's, but, that's it. But I have not seen another group make it to that level that was spitting that kind of uh, information. I was told by you know, by an A and R rep for Universal Records, a white guy, they don't want another strong black man in the offices like that. I said, Derek, you know too much. Came back to the hotel and told me. He was like, man, they're trying to figure out if you sell drugs. They're trying to figure it out, bro. They, they said, they said, but but I brought you to the table. I told him that you did. He said, but the he feel he felt like the fear is they don't want anybody else. That they can, already got the ones that they let in. And, and that's and they're fine with that. <laughs> and they're good with that. We have the ones we can control. I walked into the meeting and they was like, they said you were from Houston, Texas. No grill, no double cup. They and, said that to you? Yes. And I, and, I, and I laughed. I said, so that either means you love Houston or you're st- extremely stereotypical. I'm going to go with the first one. Yeah. I said, I'm gonna, I, I said, I'm going to assume you guys just love Houston. It changed the whole tone of the meeting. Well, now you, well, you've changed it. And this is going to sound bad. And you also, because of your enlightenment, you hurt that meeting. Yeah. Because now they're going to act a particular way with you and talk a particular way. But they have shut off. As soon as you said that, they shut the door mentally to anything you had to say. Exactly. And, and, and I'm in, when I'm in those meetings and I, and I notice these things, I'm very intentional. Absolutely. And because I don't never want to feel as though you think I'm going to come here and shuck and jive and tap dance for you when I know your staff, your staff don't know what I know. Your staff can't do what I do. I, I overly understand the value that my team brings to your company. And your well, they situations. feel like no matter what they what you feel like you can do or that you can do. They have enough money to get done what they need to get done anyway. And, and they do. And, they, and, and <laughs> damn it, they do. They got the money. Even if they don't know yeah. half of what you know. And it's. I, they got I, the connections. They've been they've been playing this game on that level because it's his cousin. That that's exactly what if it you is. know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's, it's, it's family. So regardless of yeah. how how much business we can get done, that's not going to supersede my nephew that runs this company over here 
And I was telling uh, my guy who's with a major, major, major national media outlet the other day, they wanted me to speak on two topics, Kanye and Takeoff. And I declined. I said, I don't want to speak on it. And I said, because the, the way you're sh- you guys are shaping the story, I don't agree with. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, and I told him, I said, man, there's not any other business. I said, you know, with us, let's say you get this million dollar advance from the record company. And then that's your marketing budget. Then you got to go spend your marketing budget with all of these platforms. The same person that owns the record company, the same person that is the same people that own the platforms. They're related. They're cousins, they're nephews. They went to college together. They, they vacationed together in the Hamptons. I said, so I'm in the middle. I said, where do I win? You don't. This, this, is, the game, this is the game that's been played for eons. And, and now now we're in a, the beauty of this generation is we have a lot of young people that are bold enough to step up and say something. Yeah. You, we, we have the, the fervency and zeal to say, hey, man, this shit ain't right, y'all. Mm. Y'all see what y'all doing to us? This ain't cool. Why? How I got to pay back this loan and still don't own anything that I just paid back? But it's it's um in a very long way of answering the question. That's the struggle of being a CEO today. Gotcha. That's the struggle of gotcha. being a CEO because you know, like, you know, you're stepping on on a basketball court. It's supposed to be five on five, but you know the refs in their pocket. You, you, <laughs> you know, you know the both owners are homeboys, and they they already know that they need you to take this loss. Yeah, they already know the outcome of the yeah, game. But you somehow, some way. Naively playing the game hard, and they already know that you ain't gonna win regardless of how hard you play. And and, and that's man. What's been the good side then? What's the upside? The upside of it for me is, oh man, I love all the bad shit that I just said. I love being in those moments. <laughs> that, you, like know, you know, you like know, it. like it's I I I love the hunt. I love the challenge. I love the aggressiveness. I love putting my back against the wall. Like, put me in that tough spot. Put me in that position where I got to figure it out. I'm cool with that. I love that. I have fun in those moments. Um, I love hearing the artist create something new. I love seeing the video come to life. I love seeing my artist's reaction the first time they hear their song on the radio. First time Skyra saw herself on BET after these years of hard work she's been putting in prior to us. And now, like, here you go. Like, that... Special shout out to her, too, at TSU. They had a rained out event. It was totally rain out there. And she was performing like 20,000 was in front of her, man. I'm like, okay, I see. That, I so, see. So, so when, when, when there's that moment where she's performing in front of 20,000 people, it won't be new to her. Absolutely. Like, I totally agree. That's the beauty of it, like watching these things happen, man. Watching in, in the Netherlands, we're at a, at, at a liquor store in the Netherlands. And me and Tim are there, and the lady look at her phone. She look at Tim. She look at her phone. She look at Tim. But we look at her out like, oh, shit. <laughs> we we a little ways from home. And she say, are you Tim Ned? And he was like, yeah. She said, oh, I bought tickets to see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Can I take a picture? Wow. And we like, what? That's we get crazy. off the plane in Japan. They sitting there holding posters. We like, what is this? We walking down the street after the festival. Little kids say, hey, Tim. Mr. Cool, Casual, Sexy, uh, can, can we take a picture? And Tim is like, yeah, come on. Next thing you know, we see like 60 kids running. We're like, wait a minute, time out. Right. So it's those moments, ah, oh, man, you can't, you cannot pay for them. You just cannot pay for them. That's why I love the, um, 
we, we so focus, you can be so focused on the destination of where you want to be to where you don't even pay attention to the journey. So I love that we're actually experiencing the journey, the highs and lows, the ups and downs, the getting to the club and there's only eight people in there. Like, okay, cool, rock out. We finna do the full show. This is a paid rehearsal. Rock out. He said a paid rehearsal. <laughs> like, do your right. thing. Yeah. Kill it. Cause those eight people gonna get on their phone. We're gonna take pictures with all eight people. Mm. We're gonna follow them back on social media. We're gonna make everybody who didn't come feel like they missed the opportunity of their life. Right. Then it also when you go to um, you do a show in in Oklahoma and you open it for Slim, Kiki, Snoop, and then you got this group that's on stage where by the end of the show the whole crowd they didn't got up out their seats they didn't move to the front of the stage and now it's four thousand people cheering and the festival promoters are like, "What's going on? Who, like, who we didn't know that much about these guys." And I, and I just like, man, listen, I, I let y'all know, it's very difficult to go. I don't care who it is. You can't go behind our artists. And unless you have a bunch of hits that everybody's just going to know, you can't go behind. Nobody's performing after Skyra. You're not going on stage after Cody or the Art of Ratchet. And it's, it's beautiful. Like, it's intentional. Yes, let us go first. Let us go first. So those are the things, man, we have a ball with it. You also, uh, you're also a teacher. You might not see it that way. And the reason why I bring that up is because you have a conference that you do. And, you know, I've been to your conferences. And it's funny. I was just going there because I knew you. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't know why this guy is doing a, co- a music conference in da-da-da-da-da year. I said, but I'm going to support him. I, I, I hope some other people show <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I was surprised and I kept telling you, and I know you thought I was like, how did it strip it? Because I didn't think music conferences mattered anymore because we live in this digital social age. Mm-hmm. And what I even learned something, I, outside of what the conference was all about, what I learned is we still, people still want information and they still want to be in front of people. Mm-hmm. It's still important, but you forget that in this digital social world. Yeah that you know we can just get in front of our computers and we everything comes to us because i thought i'm like man Derek really got a nice hotel here this wow he got how many rooms oh my god i hope he got some good sponsors man I'm yeah. like, i i just didn't understand your vision i mean i understood the vision because you know they used to have these great mm-hmm. conferences back in the day but i'm like these young kids don't need this or they don't appreciate that so there's not they're not going to be there and then you know as soon as you open the door i'm like where's all these people come from yeah. it was like i'm thinking i'm gonna be there reading all day just chilling i gotta keep shaking hands and yeah you can do this and explain stuff to people i'm like this is wild i'm like man i'm really happy for Derek. he has vision he sees stuff that probably other people don't see like he knew that there was a need mm. for information about for people who want to still be in this thing called the music business. Yes. And they want to learn about it. And let me just also mention, because of all of your uh, years of meeting this person, this person, you had major people come sit down and were willing to talk to all these freshmen of, to the game, so to speak. So BET was in the building. I'm like, man, I don't know how Derek is pulling this off. 
He had these podcasters there. He had radio stations that were not even of the city that were willing and able and going to play some of yeah. these folks' music that never had opportunity live nowhere on the air, else. Right there. And it was crazy. And I but it was like almost being a father. Like you felt this enormous sense of pride. Like, I'm so happy for Derek. I'm so <laughs> I'm like, I know you thought I was tripping because no, I pulled you to the man. side. Like, Derek, man, this is great. I'm so happy for you. I, I probably told you that like a hundred times, but I really was. That first one I went to, I'm like, this is crazy. I didn't know people still needed this. I, I know it's needed because I needed it. Mm. And so I looked at it like, if we're viewed as this type of label and we've had this success and I need this, Think about damn, how many other yeah. people need this? And the conference officially is called? The Loud Radio and Press Junket. Okay. And, and what sets this apart than any other conference or convention I've ever been to, everybody who comes leaves with more than what they ever could have paid for. Everybody who comes, there's not a place in the country where an independent artist with a brand new song can walk into a room and do 80 interviews. And if you have your video done and you meet the requirements, so you have to meet a certain requirements to even get into the event. Mm -hmm. So you have to have original music, be registered with BMI or ASCAP. You gotta have a clean version to your song and video. You gotta have a press kit. You gotta See, have high resolution photos. See, I didn't even know all that. So every artist that came through there was met ready. all of those requirements. Wow. So if anybody gave you an opportunity, you was ready for it. You know what's so cool? For me, what made that comp the last conference cool, I, I said, you know what? Because a lot of times people still expect me to do interviews and talk. I said, you know what? I have all these students at my disposal. Why don't I just throw them in the game? And they got frightened at first because yeah. you got, you know, you had like some, you know, notable superstars yeah. coming out there being a part of it too. So I'm like, they like, wow, there's a little flip. He coming to your table next. Who gonna talk to him? You. Yeah. How? This is what you want to do with your life as a communicator. So Here's I use it as an opportunity for these kids to like, these are not. Don't look at them as stars and they just that. Your job is to get information out of them. Yep. What are they here for? What do you want to know about them? What do you want to learn about the artist? Here, get to it. I didn't tell them to, I didn't tell them how to do anything. I said, this is what you want to do with your life. The, the cool I thing. I had mine. The cool thing about it that I. So thank that, you. No, no, thank y'all. <laughs> because what I tell, what I explain to the media that's there, I say, you know how much original content you're about to get? Yeah, for sure. Like, if I'm a platform and I need content, I can come, one one outlet, um, Always Press Record, they had like 130 plus interviews. Right. He said, Derek, I can drop a different interview every week for the next two years from this one event. Not even going, exactly. And it so, was, was and great. then artists, artists can post a different platform every week. Of themselves. The so it's, it was, it's, and I don't even know if that was your purpose. Yes. It, I don't know if it's, the purpose was for people to get information. It's uh, all by design. But, but. It's good. It's it's it helps me as the radio. If if I'm still working radio, yeah. if I have a podcast, if I have a radio station, if I need digital information to share with people, yeah. uh, it works for me. And then I can also get this digital uh, these so digital. I send out weekly emails leading up to the event mm -hmm. to everybody who registered. Say, hey, you want to have a camera person with you? Buy a ticket for your camera person so you can get photos and videos behind the scenes. Then you want to take a picture and a photo and a get video of each and every media outlet. You post that to your social media and you tag them in it. Then you also want to take your lead single 
and put it as the background music on every one of your posts. Mm. So now if any of those platforms reshare that post, Get now your, your music. music. So I'm sending them emails of what to do every week. You, if you if you show up smelling like weed or alcohol, you're not let in and your ticket is terminated. How much weed really? did you smell in the building? No, I didn't. I, I, your events have been so, uh, they're really about business. Yeah. So I don't even know if that's, if that happened, I wouldn't know. You know what I'm but saying? I send, I, it's in the email. If, you, if you're turned away because you smell like drugs or alcohol, your ticket is null and void and you will not be reimbursed. Wow, see, I didn't even know that. So I make, I'm tell, and, I'm let, and I'm letting them know, don't call any, don't, don't be casual. It's yes, sir. It's no, sir. You introduce yourself. No, I'm they came out them- there ready. I mean, they came out there ready, man. I was very surprised. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's back to back. It was back to back. So it was great for me as a, you know, newly being able to be at this university and give, uh, you know, these college mm-hmm. students an opportunity to sit right across from the big radio station and they're doing the same thing you're doing. You know, it was for me, it was great and it was exciting for them. You know, like, man, I'm, I get to talk to such and such. And they're like, what about this guy? I don't know anything about him. Learn. I said, because you don't know this guy, or this girl sitting next to you could be the next one. The next big thing. And you have this original uh, interview that nobody else in the world will have. So it's a it's an unfortunate truth. But at the last one, there was a guy there, FBG Cash. And he's from Chicago Mm -hmm. and he did all the media. He's pretty big in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he got murdered two days after the event. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about the man. He he went home. He was supposed to fly back home, stay at home one day, then head out to L.A. to record. Wow. He flew back home and ended up in in the Chicago beef thing that they've been having for years. But saying that to say it's unfortunate, but all of those small up and coming media outlets and platforms and everybody, they have the last interview. Wow. So not saying that you need to come right. prepared because death could happen and you get the last interview. But you but never your point know is that you you never know who might be the next big one, up and coming artist, or where the story is going to come from. Will be there because they want to take advantage of it as well. So it's cool yeah. to get all these podcasters and different outlets. And what I also like about it, and then I'm gonna move on to the other stuff that you're doing. I like that you also gave these up and coming podcast folks opportunity as well because some of them needed the opportunity to learn how to spread their wings yep. and they need access they need access to artists and information too. So it's really a two-folded kind of like deal. Everybody wins. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And definitely. I, I think that's why this event so works so well. So another Thank salute you. on that, man. I appreciate it. I didn't man. see the importance of it until I was in the building. Then I'm like, when I was there, then I'm like, oh, now I get it. But I had to be there to get it. Like, now, the like, next one in, in June? Oh. Crazy. The last one was kind of crazy. They're getting bigger and bigger now, Mr. D. It, I don't it, know. I it's don't, a controlled chaos. It is. Uh, all of it was very controlled. It's just so big. You, I'm one of those kind of people I like to stop and go walk around and get into the different things. It was kind of hard for me to do that because when you're there, people want information. I've I've done it for so long, they want information from me. So I don't get the chance to walk around and be nosy because people like, no, what do I need to do? For the last one, I turned the ticket sales off. Really? It was big. Uh, Again, man, let me- Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, that's- 
That's a crazy one. When you can put 600 indie artists in a room that meet all of those qualifications that are prepared. And one of the great things about the ones who don't have their stuff together, when they say, hey, but I don't have these things, I send them an email. This is the website you go to to get a free EPK. This is the website you go to register here. So go get the information and come back. The good thing about it, too, and I will say this, not truly, will. Even if you don't get a chance to go, the information that you gave them to commu- that you were communicating is still so invaluable that it's still a win. The only way we'll change our industry in Houston, because for some reason we're not known for the music business. You can mm-hmm. kick it, you can party, you can have fun. We got women, we got the best places to eat, you got the <laughs> nightlife, all of that. But we're not known to come here and do a deal. Wow. So we have to change the mindset of everybody. So the media outlets, y'all have to operate a certain way. Artists, you have to operate a certain way. And if we both are all operating the same way and on the same page, it's going to be easy to break music. It's going to be easy to get things done. Your festival that you also do as well. And you've been doing this festival. This this to be the fourth year. Yeah, for a minute, man. And how do I say this? You have, you you set the sights very high on what you do. Uh, And oftentimes I'm like, I don't really know how Derek is pulling this stuff off. I always find it interesting. I think I find you to be very interesting. I don't know how you pull off some of these things because oftentimes you see these people that have to have, you know, they're connected with, I'm with our heart to bring in this concert with this big thing in this field and these different people. And you oftentimes can do this even with a lot of unknown artists and mm-hmm. it still be a pretty big affair. I'm not really sure how you pull this off, but you do. Another well, we have a We well. have an amazing team, bro. Like... I can come up with all the harebrained ideas and schemes that I want to, mm-hmm. but I can do that because I have the luxury of knowing I'm going to get in this group chat or this Zoom call or a meeting with eight, nine people that I can that I can disseminate information to and it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's by no shape, form or fashion a one man show. It's I'm able to think freely and come up with stuff and execute them because I know Myoshi is going to make sure X, Y, and Z is done. Mm-hmm. Bradley is going to be on top of this. David is going to do this. Stacey on Hillow is going to make sure this over here. Bliss, I need this right up. I need this. K. Rich and Dwayne, make sure they're over here. Like, I know these things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I have that trust in, in our team that things will happen the way they need to that allow me to do what I do. So as you say that, tell <coughs> me about this music festival you're going to have. So, um... We had this amazing festival at Houston Free Press Summerfest mm-hmm. for years. They wouldn't return a call. They wouldn't <laughs> respond to an email or nothing. And so I said, okay, well, I can't just not be on a festival. <laughs> so let's build one. And we did the first one at Fox Hollow. A hundred artists signed up to perform. We had like 380 people show up. Mm-hmm. Then the next one, we had like 600 and some people. Then, uh, no, I'm sorry. The, the first one we had like 600 people. The second one we did at uh, White Oak. We did 4,800 people that day, throughout the day. Wow. Then the third one we did um, at Wildcat Saloon in Katy. And that was the first time we did a two day event. And we had Zero and Baby Bash headline that Sunday. Lil Flip and Lil Kiki headline Saturday. But we also had close to 200 artists perform on different stages throughout the weekend. Mm. 
Um, and the cool part about it is 60 to 70 percent of all the artists come from out of Texas. Really? Wow. Like it's crazy how many people come from out of state for, for our events. And I just wanted an opportunity for artists to be on a real festival, like not a showcase, not a talent show, um, real lights, real sound, real stage and merchandise where we got the hoodies with everybody's name on the back of it, posters, flyers. Mm -hmm. They get the real festival experience. And again, they got to meet the requirements. Original music only, um, press kit. Um, we got some cool partners that's going to be there this year. Live mixtapes is coming. Audio Mac is coming. Uh, Pandora is coming. Sirius XM is coming. Uh, Boost Mobile is our title sponsor. So you're performing in front of peers. Um, you'll be opening for dope artists. Every artist, you'll perform in front of seven, 800 people at any given time throughout the weekend. And I want artists to feel like, this is what it feels like when you're on tour when you're doing major festivals. Because when you get that feeling and you see how it's handled, then you should operate that way moving forward and everything. Absolutely. And that's what I'm, it's, it's my way of, hell, it promotes the hell out of my label. To have this many artists around the country all posting flyers and videos talking about loud music and loud fest, it introduces our label across the country. Mm -hmm. But then also it puts our artists in front of this many new eyes and ears. And at the same time, I'm I'm doing whatever small part I can to change the industry and the culture that we have right now in our music. Good luck on that. What's the date on the um... December second, third, and fourth? Okay, okay. So that's happening real quick. A couple of weeks. Right of, yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. So weeks. What can people do if they need to get like information to be artists to perform on it, or they just want to get tickets? They, they go to loudfesthtx.com. Okay, just that simple. Loudfesthtx.com, and you can get the hotel information if you come from out of town. You can get ticket information. You can get the artist information. If you're a producer and want to be in a producer battle or a DJ in a DJ battle or an artist in the hit for hit battle, okay, all of that's there. Now, uh, you're an incredible entrepreneur. A lot. I don't know why it seems like almost everyone I talk to seems to have, no matter what they do, there's an entrepreneurial spin. So I always ask people what, in their vision, what has success or what is success to them? I want to make history. Like, I don't, I mean, I've never chased money. I've never been the guy, secure the bag, secure the bag. I can care less. I don't keep track of everything that's spent. I don't keep track. Like in some people, are like, oh, that's bad business practice. I am a true believer that if I set out and make the history that I'm going to make, money won't be a question. Mm. Like, that's, I feel like we get so short-sighted and focused on, or on the dollar right now, we don't even give ourselves a full shot because we're only working as far as that dollar. We're not like, yo, I'm gonna go all the way and just see where I end up at. And that's, and that's man, I gotta make history. When they say Clive Davis, Steve Stout, Barry Gordy, Russell Simmons, I need the world to say Derek McKinney. That I can't. I I want to. I want to discover country artists in Texas, and I want to have the first black record executive who's the head of a country music division. I want to discover EDM artists, top forty pop, indie rock. We're not just a hip hop label. We're not just an urban label. So my focus, especially in twenty twenty three, 
we've we re revamped our whole infrastructure for 2023. All the artists already have new photos, new content. We're already set from January 1 to August 1 for 2023 for music, videos, photos, social media strategies. I, I want to be legendary. And, it's, and I know if I do it, the perks will come with it. Mm. But more so than anything, man, I want my name. I, I, I want to be in history books. That's, that's what drives me, the success. I want to be the best. Nothing. I, I'm a sore loser. <laughs> you know, I can't. Uh, uh, I, I don't want to. Um, man, I just I, I hate mediocrity. I don't want to be, I'm not into just being the cool scene or, oh yeah, y'all pulled up over here. Like, nah, I want to be able to pull up to the Grammys and somebody's opening my door and everybody knows, oh, that's Derek. Did you see what they just did? You see what this artist does? I think, and everybody that I name, they've created icons. So it's very selfish. And, but in order for me to be who I want to be, it's only right that I make Cody who he's supposed to be. Zero who he's supposed to be. Flip even further than where he's been. That's how I get what I what I what I want. Well, let me just say this. Uh, I wanted to ask that question, but you know, I know you know that there's already success that you live in, so you live in success right now. So, again, man, I, I just salute you and all of it, man. I think you're 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 paving the, that path. That's another reason why I like to do these because to me, you're already successful. You've already done things. Even if you stop today, you may not achieve that name but you have still reached a certain level of success. I know you still got far you want it for real, yeah. but you, we're in your office where you've done, your, you've done it your way. So man, I commend you, man. I appreciate your time too, because I know you could be doing, <laughs> there's some people probably calling you right now. Yeah, so your man, phone, nah, your man, phone been going off the whole time we've been talking, so man, I listen, appreciate as, it. As, as a kid growing up in Houston, Texas, listening to the Mad Hatter Morning Show to be able to sit here and talk to you, man, this is this is iconic for me. This is one of them things that I can say like, listen, my career, I was able to achieve this in Houston. Like you don't, you don't grow up in this city and be, you don't grow up in this city, period, without knowing or listening to you. And, and you've been the soundtrack and the voice over to our morning drives to school, to work, to everything. So to be able to sit here and even have this conversation with you, man, like this, this is a huge accomplishment well, within nice itself, man. This is nice of you, for oh, you to man, say, man. But, I, but I salute you, man. You're doing incredible stuff, man. Incredible stuff. Uh, so thank you. Oh, man, I appreciate it, man. Kenny, Thanks for having me. CEO, loud music in the building. Thank you, brother.